Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 209 of the Masterclass Podcast. My name is Cam Brennan, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Dave Hogue. Hello. Good Three, to be here. Yes. Hail and well met, fellow podcaster. How are you? <laughs> uh, you know, all things considered, doing good. A little bit. I think we both agree we're a little tired tonight. but. Mm -hmm. And if our history has anything to say about that, that means we'll get really excited in, during the episode yeah, at some point. Dallas will bring it out, right? Uh, he usually does. <laughs> he usually does. Um, we are in chapter six of Hearing God, and this was sort of a longer chapter, and that may not equate to a longer podcast, but um, I'm good just jumping right in if you are. Unless yes, absolutely. You want to have some witty banter before the, uh, the meet. I, uh, you know what? Let's give our listeners a break. And <laughs> Good man. See, we'll he's get looking, right into it. He's looking out for you. No, no stupid <laughs> jokes for me this week. All right. So chapter six is titled the word of God and the rule of God. Yes. And there's, I just want to read the first few sentences because this it struck me as, uh, I don't know. It kind of caught me off guard to start a chapter this way, uh, in a good way. It says the very phrase still small voice, which is what we talked about last time in chapter mm -hmm. five might seem to suggest that what lies at the heart of a relationship with God is something weak and marginal, but that is far from the truth. One who hears God's voice is operating from the very foundation and framework of all reality, not from the fringe. And I think we all would go, well, yeah, duh. But when you think of it in the opposite regard, right? When I think about when I'm living my life not listening to the voice of God, when I'm living my life from the perspective of what I want to do and what makes Cam feel good today or in this moment, right? And I'm, you know, engaging in, you know, uh, prideful, sinful, you know, whatever, you know, label you want to put on it. I mean, there's a lot there, right? Um, the world tells us that's reality. That's that's the good part of life, right? Sex, drugs, rock and roll, money, power, authority, you know, all of those things, control. And and we see that as the core of reality, you know? And we, we see that in, you know, the modern church where it's hard to distinguish American culture from, you know, following Jesus, which if we look at what the Bible says about following Jesus and what American culture values, there are a few things that overlap and there's a whole lot that don't. And in a lot of places, it's hard to distinguish between the two, which is a yeah. problem because we've taken what culture says is a core part of our reality and we've, we've, we've made it part of our faith. And, and so it's really easy for us to think that we're living in this, this center, this uh, foundation, he calls it when really we're on the fringe and mm -hmm. it, it just, it, for, for whatever reason, it just struck me as like, I guess I wasn't expecting it, but also like the think about somebody who is like, let's, let's remove a uh, uh, foundation and, and, and fringe and think about like, you know, I grew up in Michigan, Dave, you spent a good portion of your childhood, at least in the Northern part of the States where lakes freeze in the wintertime and people will <laughs> yeah. go ice fishing or play hockey on them or, or whatever. And think of it as, you know, the fringe being the thin ice, right? And the foundation mm -hmm. being the thick ice. And from the surface, 
sometimes it can be very hard to tell (laughs) which is which. And it doesn't matter how confident you are in the way that you're living life. If you're on the thin ice, your confidence is not going to keep you out of the water, right? If you're right. In, if you're on the fringe, if you're on the thin ice, you're you're in danger. Yeah. Of loss, right? <laughs> of of yeah. of spiritual um, you know, warfare. I mean, everyone's susceptible to that, but like you you're just not even aware because yeah. you're so you're so on the fringe and away from what God is what what God wants for you, what God has designed for you, and if you're oblivious to it, right? I got I, I got this line from Mark Dever a while ago. Always confident, occasionally correct. I think it's hysterical because it <laughs> describes, you know, me to a T. But you can be standing on the thin ice, completely oblivious to the danger that you're in because you are so infatuated with what the world is distracting you with. And I just I I loved the the dichotomy there between being at the very foundation and core of where God wants you to be is where you are not distracted so that you can hear the still small voice. You are taking the time to be patient and to listen and to seek it out. And your confidence is not in your ability. Your confidence is in the firm foundation of God himself and his word for you. Right. And so you can Mm -hmm. be assured you're on the thick ice and that you're safe away from the distractions. And I just, I don't know, for whatever reason, it really, um, it just resonated with me uh, as I was reading. Like I read it a few times. It's only like three sentences, <laughs> but you know, as I always say with Dallas, like he just has a way of saying things that catch you and cause you to think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I completely agree if, if, if there's been anything, well, one of the things that I have noticed in doing, reading this book and discussing it is I do feel like I've kind of made this conscious effort to try to hear his voice to be, you know, um, I think it's Psalm 46, be still know that I'm God kind of a, a, a approach to it. And, um, I, again, fail miserably at that, even when I'm making a concerted effort day in and day out. But the, the kind of the um, consequence of that or what, what I have noticed from that is just how much time we spend in just efforts that are futile. <laughs> and And I don't mean just like, just Christians. I mean, everybody, like Mm -hmm. we spend so much effort doing things that, um, I'm not, I'm not going to completely say they have no eternal significance because I suppose everything that we do has eternal significance, good or bad, but it just, we, we spend so much time in our own effort, uh, to do things and, Again, that's just magnified for me. I think, you know, working with non, when you're not in a Christian atmosphere, uh, even when there are other Christians present, you're generally not operating from this place of let's listen to God's still small voice. It's what can we do to fix the problem? What can we do to make the world a better place? What can we do to, you know, even, even, 
I guess that's kind of my point is even well-intentioned people who don't work to make money, who don't, you know, just out for all the money that they can earn and, and material wealth and all that kind of stuff. Like people that are in a position of wanting to make a difference and, and moving things forward. And so, yeah, it um, we spend an awful lot of time on the fringe, uh, which I do think, um, I, to use the word that you said, I think there's some danger involved in that of just, and again, God, God can redeem so much of that. And, um, I think that uh, some of it's just an, you know, implicit nature of, of being human beings and being in a fallen world. But, um, I hope I'm echoing what you said just in terms mm-hmm. of the fringe is not where we want to be. Even when we know it, we want it. Uh, it just doesn't seem like the world allows us to, to operate from that place. And I do, I find myself kind of praying in those moments of just like going, okay, God, like your will be done and uh, you be glorified through this. But there seems like an awful lot of human effort being exerted here that, uh, again, it's not, and, and I'm not somebody that thinks we should just sit back and do nothing, but not a lot of effort to hear him or, or, or receive his guidance in those moments. Yeah. So there, there's another part in the next section where it says great faith, like great strength in general is revealed by the ease of its workings. Most of what we think we see as the struggle of faith is really the struggle to act as if we had faith when in fact we do not. And I read that and underlined it and started it and then read it like four or five more times. Cause I was like, dude, he, he just punched a lot of people right in the stomach, like really mm-hmm. hard. And it just, it, it really took me aback. Again, I wasn't expecting it. It seems really blunt and harsh. Mm-hmm. And I think it is. And I think it's on purpose. Um, But what I think he's trying to say, or I don't want to say this, what I take away from this, and we get to it later when he talks about how Jesus, like if something needed to be like healed, he didn't stop. He didn't yes. stop and pray and say, "Oh God, help me heal this person." If it's in your, he just he just did it. Yeah, he just did it because faith is easy, and it's about the centurion, right? right. The centurion right. wasn't a believer in Jesus. He knew of the Jewish religion, right? But he understood authority, and he right. understood that when people in authority speak, stuff gets done. Yeah, and I, it, so this whole chapter to me has just been. Like he talks a lot about words, right? And I'll, if, if I've said it once, I've said it a million times. Words matter; they mean mm-hmm. things, right? Yep. Like when someone tells you they love you for the first time, heaven on right. earth. Yeah. When someone tells you they no longer want to be married to you, and that they're leaving, hell on earth, right? Like yeah. all from the same person. Words matter, right? And, and so he, he spends a whole lot of time about what the word of God is, being the Bible, being Jesus, you know, being how God created everything, which is just bonkers. Right. God said, uh, and light and light happened. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. We can get into that later. But th- this concept that, y- y- that you were talking about. Right. And then this idea of great faith should have an ease to it. 
coupled with the way that Jesus acted his faith out. Did Jesus pray? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. All the time. But it wasn't, uh, hey, God, can you do this for me? Like, the only time I can think of him asking God to do anything for his benefit was to say, hey, if there's another way to yeah. do this besides torture and murder, I'm good with that. But if not, okay, right. your will be done, right? Other than that, when he's asking God for things, it's asking that we would be one as they are one, that we would be known by God, that God would protect us as we live out and share the gospel. Like he's, other than that, he's just being with the, he's just being in the presence of God. Cause that's what, guess what they've done for all eternity? Be in each other's presence. Right. That's, that's the whole point. And so yeah. I, and it gets back. And I just, I think Dave, I think we're all just still really, 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 really baby Christians. <laughs> because yeah. what do little kids do to their parents? Give me this. I want yeah. that. Give me this. I want that. I want that. I want that. Why can't I have it? What You know what I mean? And we look at someone like Jesus, who obviously had a different level of relationship with God. And it's about being in his presence. And then when the time to act comes, just do it. Yeah, because you've already he he had already spent that time. Yes, it's not like yes, yeah, it, and yeah, and so you think of people like you know we we talked about Dallas before. J.I. Packer is the same way for me. When I when I heard him speaking about his relationship with God and what it means for him to spend time in prayer and to read scripture and to just be silent, it's like uh, that's that's it. Maybe I have to wait till I'm 80 if I make it that long <laughs> to get there. But there just there is a maturity and a ease and a patience and a willingness to just be still that you see in people of great faith. Mm-hmm. And they are the ones that are able to just to act in the moment mm-hmm. and not, you know, and, and it's not like going to God and asking God to help in a situation is a bad thing. Seeking God's counsel is good. But if you see, see a need, meet a need, right? You see whatever going on, you just, you just do it because you know, it's the right thing to do. You know that that what, so I, I guess it, it all seems so simple just just practice being in the presence of god mhm period yeah and we all you know we were talking about we've we've had a discipleship class going on and after this I'll shut up cuz i've been talking too much but the whole idea of the discipleship class is you, you, you're just going to spend time with God. You're going to read a little bit of the Bible. You're going to pray a little bit. And then you're just, you're just going to just be there. Just mm-hmm. be okay with it feeling awkward. Right? Like, again, we're babies. You got to learn to walk somehow. Like, you, But people don't want to hear just spend time with God because, well, well what do I do? What, what else? What? Because we're so wired to just 
accomplish yeah. stuff. You know what I mean? And and so what they're trying to do in this class is like give them little baby steps. Like, okay, here's three things to do this week. All of it is centered around spending time with God in prayer and in scripture. Mm-hmm. But like trying to just show them you can take these steps to, but everything just points back to spending time with God, spending time with God. And we just try to overcomplicate it and earn our way in. And it's, it's maddening because I do it every stinking day. Yeah, absolutely. When the answer is practice being in the presence of God. (laughs) Yep. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think the other thing too for me is I, I, I feel like a lot of times when there's like a clear like um a sense of to, a sense of to act or to do something, like I hear from God and I should do it, then I want to debate it away. <laughs> <laughs> I want to justify why I shouldn't do it and mm-hmm. you know, not be inconvenienced. And not that it's always an inconvenience, but you know, uh, maybe better thing is, is, is I don't want to leave my comfort zone. So mm-hmm. then I, I debate it away and it's like, man, those are probably the times when it, it is the, the clearest and most simple and just to act. And the thing is, is like, and if I'm wrong, so what, you know, I took a step of faith. I acted on what I believed was the right thing to do, but instead I, I, I rationalize it away. Mm-hmm. Not, not every time, but I just know that there's been frequently times in my life where I do feel like I had a nudge from God and then rationalized it away as to why I didn't want to do it or I wasn't going to do it. All right, so, man, that was, I hope what I said made sense. Yeah, it did. Okay, good. (laughs) So he spends a good chunk in the middle of this chapter talking about, one of the headings is a kingdom of words, right? So it's it's Mm -hmm. it's creation by words, and, and this is where I get into that whole point where, like, God said, hey, let there be light, and then light showed up. And his example is like, we can't just say, hey, let there be cake, and a cake just shows up. We have to go get yeah. the ingredients, combine them in the correct ways, do it all in the right order, and then we have a cake. Um, which is probably a good thing that we can't just say, hey, let there be cake, because that would be <laughs> not good. Um, but then he, he continues on, like, what's the way, what's the most close, what's the closest thing we have to God saying, you know, just thinking something and it's done. And his example is like moving our body parts, you know, for anyone mm-hmm. whose body functions, you know, at a hundred percent capability, you, you don't even really, you, you just, Oh, move my finger. Oh, you know, move my head. Like it just, it just happens. Right. Yeah. There's not even really a thought behind no, it. It just does it. it. Just, like when you're typing on the keyboard, if you play an instrument or whatever the case may be, it just, you just do it like the, the response it is so quick and so fast. And he's saying that like that, when God speaks a word, a galaxy is formed with the, with the amount of effort and speed mm-hmm. <laughs> that you hit the, the T on your keyboard or scratch your beard or whatever. Right. 
Like that is the closest we, because we are finite and, you know, for the time being trapped in the physical world, you know, with all of its uh, rules and limitations and our inability to create, you know, from nothing, uh, we have certain rules that we have to play by. Uh, but the other thing he says, besides, you know, being able to uh, manipulate our bodies in, in that regard is the, our inner thought life mm-hmm. and the ability to think things into being in our own minds. And he, he goes on to say, this isn't just a Christian idea. Like Plato had this thought, however many thousands, I forget when Plato's run. <laughs> I read, I read the Republic. I'm not that uncultured, but I just don't remember how long ago he was around. Um, and then he, he, so he quotes Plato and he also quotes Augustine. So like he's saying, this is, this is, and, and Dallas was a philosophy professor right. at USC. So he's not just pulling Plato cause that's, you know, convenient. He's probably doing it because most people have heard of him, but like the Dallas's wheelhouse outside of, you know, theology and discipleship was, he was a professional philosopher and well-regarded, you know? So anyways, he's not just cherry picking the first, you know, uh, uh, Google result for what philosophers <laughs> thought this idea. He knows this stuff. Yeah. Um, so anyways, it was just, it was, it was a rather interesting, I think, way to help the reader understand the ease with which God's ability to speak is for him in regards to the power that it wields versus what we can and can't do in the same regard, Mm -hmm. which I thought was helpful because I never really equated God speaking, let there be light to me, like subconsciously moving my fingers. You know, right. That's, I mean, it's a tactile, like I can sit here and wiggle my fingers, you know, yeah, and pick which ones I'm moving without really even thinking about it. And for me to think that that is the same way in which, or a similar way in which God said, and light and water and duckbill platypus and mountains, yeah. <laughs> like that's, that'll, yeah, that'll and, melt your brain, you know, and then he also talked about, thinking of an object. So if I were to say, as his example is, think of a kitten. Yeah. Everyone just thought of a kitten. We think of a kitten uh-huh. and it's, it's that same ease of mm-hmm. just, you know, we don't have to go now. How am I going to think about a kitten? What, you know, we just, we have those images appear in our mind. And mm-hmm. so it's, and it's I guarantee you at least 17 people just went Meow. involuntarily. <laughs> it just happened. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's 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 the classic. Hey, don't think about X. Well, now you're the red, now you're the red button it, thing. Yeah. Don't touch the red button. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna touch the red button now. Absolutely. Yep. So that was that was the idea of creation by words. Then there's a section on the Word of God as the Son of God. So this is Jesus as the incarnate mm-hmm. Word, because you know a lot of times when people hear the phrase the Word of God, they just go straight to the Bible, which. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but also <laughs> creation <Yeah>. and Jesus. <laughs> right. And so he starts with creation, then he gets into Jesus. And, um, well, if you don't know who Jesus is and you're listening to this, might I suggest you start from the beginning when we walk through the entire gospel of Matthew, which go. is, uh, one of the stories or one of the accounts of, uh, Jesus's 
ministry on earth. Um, we spent a very long time on it and, uh, we were much younger and much closer <laughs> and much closer in uh, physical distance to each other. Just a few blocks yes. <laughs> instead true. of a few States, but Hey, so I, I don't know if there's anything in that section that, I mean, there's good stuff in here. Like, you know, Hebrews 1, 3, that Jesus is sustaining the universe by his powerful command. Like, in him all things hold together. He upholds the universe. Like, so there's, okay, so I will say this. Have you ever, like, I, have you ever just thought about, like, what Jesus has been doing in heaven for the last, you know, roughly 2,000 years? He's holding it all together. Right, but I think a lot of people, <laughs> I think a lot of people just assume, like, he's retired. Right. Like he's up there playing shuffleboard with Flo and Bruce and working on his needlepoint, <laughs> you know? And and I'll be honest, like, while I didn't think that for a long time, I didn't really think anything about it. I was yeah. like, oh, he's just in heaven sitting at the right hand of God. Whatever you do in that chair, that's what he's doing. Well, it turns mm-hmm. out what he's doing in that chair is uh, putting his feet up on his enemies. They're his nice ottoman, as it says, that they are his footstool. But he's one, he's he's interceding, so he's praying for us all the day long, and he's holding the entire known universe together. So, like, yeah. dude's working real hard <laughs> uh, for our benefit. Yeah. It also says not only does he intercede, but he also advocates in time of need. So, like, when we're going through it, Jesus jumps from intercessor to advocate, which we don't have to get into terms of definition, right? But in in, in those regards, advocate is uh, a few levels above intercessor. Advocate is someone who is actively fighting on your behalf against someone who is out to get you. Um, it's just, I mean... You would think what he did that he would be able to say, I'm good. I've done my part. I've I've defeated <laughs> sin. I've defeated sin and defeated Satan and made it so that all of my God's enemies have a way to him. I'm gonna have a Mai Tai, you know, and sit on the beach. Mm-hmm. But that's not him, right? He he can't help but help. Yeah. And 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 you make I, me think of the footprints poem. <laughs> you know, now I'm now I'm sad, Dave, that I made you think of that. <laughs> yeah, and you know, that's just, you know, th- this is uh the book of John, the very beginning and that concept of you know, in the beginning was the word mm-hmm. and the word was God and the word was with God. And I, again, it's that human attempt to completely understand an infinite God, because I do believe there is just this essence of who Jesus is and the critical role that he played in creation, the critical role that he continues to play Mm -hmm. in our existence that we just can't completely grasp our, our brain around. And uh, again, kind of back to my earlier concept of just how futile things are that even though the world came into being through him, 
the world did did not know him. You know, and again, that is just that, like, I guess there's just that, I mean, that is what this existence is about right now, but how easily it is for us just to completely ignore the creator and the sustaining of our world that he does and just the active role that, like, like you said, it's, it's, you don't think of him as being, and this word falls short, but you don't think of him as being busy. You know, you don't think of him as, as being active and that's so what he is. And I think Christian, non-Christian alike, we miss that on so many levels uh, because we are consumed by what we can see and what's right in front of us and not um, going to him and seeing him in all things uh, because he is certainly there. He is certainly present. So, mm-hmm. yeah. There's a... Uh... There's a part towards the end uh, was right before the we are called into question Mm -hmm. section where he talks about like, you know, more people are becoming interested in, in, you know, the spiritual gifts and that sort of stuff. Um, It says testimonies of remarkable results find their way into many fellowships and into abundance of Christian literature. This is to be expected as we grow in our confidence that reality, including the material world, is ultimately a kingdom in which authority, personal relationship, and communication are basic to the way things run. We have, of course, much still to learn. (laughs) And so he's kind of summing up everything to this point with this idea, right, of authority, personal relationship, in communication, right? So that's what? Authority. God is God. We are not. Mm-hmm. He has the authority. He speaks and things happen, right? The personal relationship, which is the gospel, the result of the gospel, I should say, that we are able to have a relationship with God because of what Christ uh, accomplished that we are able to have a personal relationship with the authority figure of the entire universe. Like, I mean, talk about that red phone, you know, like all the old school, (laughs) the the direct line to Berlin or whatever. Like we have, we have access to the God of the universe because of what he's accomplished, which is just while we were still his enemies too. I mean, like, come on. While we were actively anti-God, <laughs> out there just doing all sorts of stupid, nasty, terrible things to each other and to ourselves, God was like, you know, I see a future for them. I'm going to go ahead and make it. Like It just blows my mind. And communication. So personal relationship with the authority figure of the universe who made a way for us to be with him so that we can have communication. That's key to any personal relationship, right? Like he, everything that he has done has been so that we can, what Dave be in his presence (laughs) (laughs) now and forever. Like it's not hard. Like it's not a, it's not a complex system, right? This isn't some Rube Goldberg machine that we have to work our way through in order to, 
get to the end. It's already been accomplished. It's a free gift. God has done everything that he can in order to be like, hey, look, let's just hang out. Mm -hmm. Let's just enjoy being in each other's presence. And the result of that, according to scripture, is that we will glorify him forever. Yeah. Because when you're in the presence of God... That's all you can really do. Unless, of course, you're one of the folks that at the day of judgment is going to go, oh, I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. You do exist. Yeah. So, uh, one, I had a thought. And this Not allowed. may seem cheesy, but I'm thinking of the Jim Carrey movie, Bruce Almighty. <laughs> and... You know, Bruce becomes God or has the powers of God. I'm not sure that he was God. God God kind of gives him the, the job for a day, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And Bruce is overwhelmed by the job. Mm-hmm. And while we talk about Jesus and his active role and being in a relationship with God and even the Holy Spirit being present with us here and, and interacting with us, there is nothing about being God that is overwhelming to God. So as we just talk about all this, like, you know, like how can God have a relationship with everybody? How can he answer everybody's prayers? Well, it's not overwhelming for him because um, like to me, that's just like, that's implicit in the Jesus keeping it all together piece. Mm-hmm. It's just, he, 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 he is present. He is a part of everything. And so it's not a singular human form trying to do all these divine things. It is God in his essence being present uh, everywhere. Um, a second piece that I just wanted to, to hit on too is under that, the prayers, actions, and words that goes back to kind of what we've been talking about where uh, I think it's in Mark 9 and no, Oh, so yeah, the, the yeah, Mark nine and Jesus, the the disciples are trying to to cast out the demon, mm-hmm. and Jesus casts out the demon with a command. Again, takes action, speaks a word, and it happens. And they're like, "Why? Like, why couldn't we do that? Like, why? Why did that not happen for us?" And then Jesus says, "This kind can only come out through prayer." And then Dallas again, very concisely says. Yet Jesus himself did not pray on this occasion. What is this explanation? And I'm going to read that this next paragraph. And he says, I believe this is an illustration of the principles that, as experience readily shows, there are degrees of power in speaking the word of God, and that prayer is necessary to heighten that power. Prayer is more basic in the spiritual life than is speaking a word, and indeed is the indispensable foundation for doing so. Doing so. The role of speaking the word of God has become limited today because of a widespread lack of understanding of such speaking and speaking is in quotes. And then this last part, it like really just hit for me, coupled with the generally low quality of the prayer life (laughs) or the life of prayer. Mm -hmm. 
and again, just just echoing what we were talking about earlier. Of, and there's there's kind of this concrete example of the disciples trying to do something they can't do it. Jesus' answer is, is well, you got to pray about it, but yet he just takes action. There mm-hmm. is no prayer being prayed. He just does it, and it's because of a life of prayer and not moments of prayer. Uh-huh. You know, there's, there's, I don't know, 10 more pages in this chapter, but <laughs> I think honestly we should end on that because ain't nothing in the rest of the chapter that's going to land where that does. All right. Unless you're into voodoo magic and superstition, in which case there's a whole section for you. <laughs> yeah, you can read it. And I think you and I have even discussed these things in the past in terms of um, what we as Christians have made Christianity into mm-hmm. is those sorts of things, formulas, rituals, believing the right thing, doing the right thing, you know, so. Cool. Well, yeah, that was that was a good thing to end on. Coupled with the generally low quality of the life of prayer. All right. Well, this has been episode 209 of the Masterclass Podcast. Show notes can be found at supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 209. Or if you're listening uh, on a mobile device in your podcast app of choice, which guess what you're using right now. So the notes <laughs> will be there. They probably won't be very uh, deep for this one because we just, well, we talked about a chapter from a book. So you can find a link read to book. that book. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and guess what? Our links are not affiliate links. So if you click on it and buy it, we don't get any money and that is okay. You yeah. can buy that book sleaze free. <laughs> it's all yours. Um, yeah. I don't know why I said the word sleaze, but apparently I feel strongly about this sort of stuff. So on that note, Dave, now that I have, as usual, still not figure out how to end a podcast. Uh, I think at this point, Dave, it's just a, it's not even a trend. It's become a law. It's not a theory. It's just this Cam's law of ending the show is just make it awkward. So anyways, uh, it's been fun, enjoyable as always. And uh, until, until next time, uh, farewell. Bye.